Thanks for joining us on the Gen Church Wa podcast of Generations Church. We are a community of everyday people who are committed to expanding God's family together because of Jesus for generations to come. Right now, we are gearing up for the fall. If you haven't connected to an activity group or a ministry team, head over to our website, mygenerations.church, and take a look around. We would love to help you connect today. Now, every year, one of our pastors takes the teaching time for three consecutive weeks to teach a series that's been brewing in their heart. This is part of our vision to help generations to come know the name of the Lord and what he has done for them. It starts with raising up more communicators of the gospel. This month, Pastor John Grabhorn has revived his series, Making Room, People, Not Projects. I hope you enjoy the teaching from the scriptures. And this week we are going to be reading from 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 through 18. And it says, For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters. If the world hates you, we know that you have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions, and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Will you guys bow with me? God, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you for the love that you have for us, for the example of love that you showed for us to be able to carry out to others. God, we ask that you just speak through John this morning, that he provides us a message that touches our hearts, that helps us grow closer to you, and inspires us to love one another. God, we thank you for your son and the sacrifice that he gave for us, and it is in your name. Amen. Yeah, so as Richard just read for us, if you want, go on over to 1 John with me. We're going to be there uh, this morning. 1 John 3, if you don't have... Bible, I don't have it on your phone, it will be on the screens. It's always tough getting this open. So, as Richard said, we're going to be starting in 1 John 3, starting in verse 11. And it says this, For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. John here is starting off this, ver- this section in which we're in. And he says, In the beginning... There's love. It's the first thing that we're going to start with right now. The first message that we have in the beginning, love. And he's alluding back to our triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And in the, in the midst of the beginning, our Creator, not forced out of his own will, no one twisted his arm, no one said you had to do this, but out of an overflowing compassion and love and relationship in which God already experienced love is what led him to create. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his own 
brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. John here immediately, going from love, begins to contrast this of what it, what it looks like to exude, what it looks like to express love, and then what it looks like to not have love, to not allow love to lead out. And in the midst of this, what we begin to see is what it, what it truly means of evil in opposition to righteousness. See, Cain was envious of his brother. He was jealous of God's um, acceptance of his offering in this moment. Cain was without love. He was without the love in which Abel was showing a love that was from God and bestowed back to him, and Cain was, was not about it. Cain was not happy with it. And so in the midst of this, the reason in which he murders is he doesn't have love in his heart. And it says, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when this happens. And what we begin to see here is, is John's alluding into this fallen world in which we are in. He starts off very quick. And I mean, we see this in the beginning of Genesis. Within the first three chapters, we get creation. Everything's great and glorious. And very quick, things go wrong when mankind steps in and begins to try to do things on their own. John's alluding to what it looks like to live in a fallen and broken and distorted world. God's world in which he made was good. It was great. Mankind was made in his image. It was very good. And yet that's not what we deal with. And so we live in a broken world. And so John's saying, listen, don't be surprised when you live out the love in which I've called you to. Don't be surprised when you live that out if it's not received with gratitude. If it's not received very well in our world because it's fallen, it's broken, why would you expect it to reciprocate that if it's not in line with God? We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not, whoever does not love abides in death. It's funny here because John immediately uses this illustration of death in life. And he says, we know that we have passed out of death into life. I don't know if you're looking around this room, but I'm pretty sure most of us are breathing today. If you pinch yourself, you're going you're gonna to feel something. We, we're not dead in this moment. Rather, he's alluding to this spiritual death in which we have all experienced in this broken world. It's not, it's not the physical death. It's the spiritual, the disconnect that we have from God. And what he's saying is, is that we have moved from that death into life. And he's going to get to that and hear the implications of what that means here in just a minute. And he says, because we love the brothers, whoever does not love abides in death. Even if you're saved, even if you're in line with Jesus, if you're not truly living out that love, it doesn't matter what accolades or boxes you check, you're still in that death. And so everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. John here is calling back to Jesus' talk, where he begins to show that an outward expression is just as important as the internal heart. Even though we, like, we're, we're like, hey, listen, I didn't murder that person. I didn't stab him with that knife. But in our heart, we have, we have that, that hatred, that annoyance, that jealousy that comes about. I always think of inside out where you have the little emotions inside the person's head. And most of you have probably seen this. Uh, most of you, I know, have kids around here and have seen this, or maybe it's your guilty pleasure to watch Pixar on yourself. Hey, I don't have kids yet, and I've seen it. So I don't know what that says. 
But there's this one emotion where it's, it's the red one, it's the one of anger. And I imagine that a lot of us will sometimes go about life and we'll have that one that's burning in rage within us, even though our, outernal, our, uh, our external outward appearance and expression is all good. On the surface, we look calm and collected. And, uh, you know what? I, I held back. I held back. It's okay. I didn't, I didn't let out the beast that was inside, the firing rage of the, the red uh, anger that's within me. But John's saying, we're not keeping that in check either. What's the difference? If you kill him in your heart, same as killing them on the outside. What he's beginning to say is that an outward conformity to God's word isn't enough. Even desire of the heart is evil. And so what he begins to get towards is this internal heart, this internal passion in which we have and how we begin to live out love. We get to 16 and it says, by this, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. But if anyone has the world's good and sees his brother in need, yet chooses, yet closes his heart against them, how does God's love abide in him? Let us not love in word and talk, but in deed and truth. Jesus shows us what a self-giving, selfless love is. Is. He shows it through the path to the cross in his life, death, and resurrection. God himself, God the Son, Jesus, came to us and didn't just uh, walk through life super easy and gracefully and go to the cross. No, God experienced the same pain and suffering and fallen world in which we experience. He came. He was in the dirt. He dealt with it all. He dealt with the pain. He dealt with the suffering. He dealt with the, the people that push back against him, that question everything that he said and constantly complain and say, Jesus, why do we have to do it like this? He dealt with it all. He dealt with the pain and suffering and seeing a good friend die. You saw the emotions in him. He cried. Probably had a little bit of frustration, a little bit of annoyance, you know. I, I think we all do every now and then. But Jesus began to show what it looks like to love internally and how that changes our external love. Jesus lived this out for us and for us to be able to go from death into life, it all starts with Jesus. It's in him, his death and resurrection that he's able to go to the cross and die on our behalf, be that atoning sacrifice in which we're, we're going to read about here in just a second. What it begins to tell us and so not just in word and talk and outward appearance, not just check the boxes, say the right things, but to truly be able to have a love that has transformed our hearts, transformed our thoughts, our internalness that can't do anything but exude from us. 19. By this, we shall know that we are of the truth. And it reassures our hearts before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Despite what, despite the lies and the internal thoughts and pressure that comes about, despite the guilt, the shame, the other voices that are going to speak into us, the internal wrestle, we don't have to be drowned by that. We don't have to allow that weight, that pressure to determine how we live and how we act and how we view ourselves. 
because Jesus overcame that. What he did on the cross, Jesus' atoning work, we can have assurance in knowing that God is bigger and greater than any of the shame, the guilt, anything that people can put upon us. Remember last week we were talking um, about the labels and the identity in which the world will cast. We'll be thrown things at us, accusations, weighted pressure. Uh, when we mess up, because we're going to mess up, it, it, what happens in living in a fallen world and recognizing that we are broken people who are trying to somehow navigate this journey and follow Jesus together, we're not going to get it perfect. And Jesus shows us here clearly, you don't have to get it perfect because he has died for us. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have, no, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. A clean internal heart leads to a boldness and confidence and even clarity as we pray, as we live, as we interact with others. And when we're in line with God's will, we're going to see him at work. When you're, you're fixated on God, you're going to be able to notice the little things. It's easy to go about life and see the big things that happen in the world, the big milestone moments. For us, I mean, look around. Like, we, we're in a new space. It, it's a big moment, big milestone. It's easy to see that. But it's not always easy to see the little things in which God's at work in our everyday life. And especially when we're not looking for it, you're going to miss it. So you're going to miss when, it, when someone has that, that little shift in identity of being able to say, no, like, I... I am worthy. You're going to be able to see and hear those stories. You're going to be able to see when, when students begin to bring their friends and they begin asking questions, be able to see how God's at work and those little wins that are going on. But if we're not fixated on God, we're not looking at him, we're not paying attention. It's the same thing like when you got a little kid running around. You're going to miss the little, little things that they do if you're not paying attention. You're going to hear the big thing when the trash can knocks over and crashes down. You'll notice the big stuff because you can't help but hear it or see it. But the little things you're going to miss if you're not actually paying attention. And, and this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and that we love, and we love one another, just as he commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God. And God is in them. By this, we know that he abides in us. By the Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Our belief transforms our lifestyle. A belief in Jesus, and an encounter and understanding of Jesus and his love and what Jesus has done for us can't help but change us to our core, change us internally. It's not just going to be an external, outward thing of, I just, I just got to appear good enough. I got I to gotta check the boxes. I got to do what the churchy thing is and make sure I, I'm in line and everyone thinks that I look good trying to be, you know, my Jesus follower. But no, it, it comes out of our internal heart. We don't care what other people think in the sense of we are going to love despite, despite people's gratitude, despite what we get back in return, how people view us. We can't help but to love how Jesus has loved us. In this series of Making Room, we've talked about what it looks like for strangers to become friends and friends to become family. We started off with, with strangers of, of identifying those who are in proximity to us who are genuinely strangers. 
If we want to see the family expand, we have to begin to say, who are, who are people who don't know God, who aren't connected to the family, who I'm, whom I encounter in my everyday life, who truly are our neighbors? Everyone's our neighbor. Like, like, I think we can mostly check that box, but when we begin to say, like, everyone's my neighbor, we begin to focus on that and declare a right truth in that. We can often miss the people who are right next to us each and every day. When we begin to look at the large picture and say, yes, everyone is my neighbor, we stop being a neighbor to those around us. It's easy to, to uh, talk about the mission and vision and say, yes, I love this, but to express it by finding those who work next to you every day, who live in the house next door, who play on the same sports team, who, who are in school with you, to be able to go, okay, who are those in proximity to me that I need to identify who are strangers, whom I don't even know their name, I can barely even picture their face, but to be able to identify those who are strangers in our life. And then what it looks like for them to become friends by intentionally taking time to invest in them. Means you're going to have to ask some awkward questions. Means you might have to be the first one to break the ice and just be willing to be embarrassed because you're going to say something stupid. You're not going to always get it right. Or in, in my case, hopefully you don't throw up in front of them. And it's okay. It happens. But to be willing to, to trudge through that and say the reason in which I'm doing this. Because I want them to experience the same love and grace in which I have found myself. So the reason why we keep moving to people, despite their story, their background, their present circumstance, despite what other people are going to say, despite the labels and identity that they have, we truly care about them enough to step into that, the same way that Jesus stepped into community and relationship with us. Jesus stepped into our broken world, and so we can step into the broken world that others are experiencing every day. And for us to be able to see them become family, it goes beyond that, that step of beginning to invest, and you begin to hear and listen to their story where they're able to be, have a moment of safety, of clarity, of, of moment where it's not a judgmental zone, but being able to share kind of where they're at in their story, and you're able to help them identify God's larger story and how they can be a part of that. We begin to include them. We include them in family and community. You include them in, in your house for meals. And you begin to share and uh, include them in your own faith journey. You'll be able to help them find a sense of belonging. Telling them that they're not alone. They're not forgotten. And that their story truly does matter. The, the tough thing about this, when, when we begin to bring people into family we want to see them go on a faith journey is, is a tough reality in the sense that you can't form others if you're not formed yourself. Let, let me say it another way. You, you can't take anyone else further than where you have gone yourself. So you might be able to uh, introduce them to who Jesus is and some of his love and his grace, but if you haven't truly embraced that and encountered that rightly from you, they, they might not be able to fully get that. But the nice and good thing to hear is that you're not the one who saves them. You're not the one who determines their faith, their salvation, any of that. Rather, if we're allowing the Holy Spirit to work within us, in our conversation with them, in our encounters with them, it's the Spirit that saves. It's Jesus. It's not us. But we have to be willing to allow the Holy Spirit to work within us. We have to invite people to go on the journey with us. And it means that we have to move towards others. We have to include them in community. 
a community that's united, that loves one another, that shows compassion over condemnation. One of the things I, I love that we were praying about this morning is, is unity and community. There's a lot of stuff going on <laughs> in our world, if we're going to be honest. A lot of things that can divide, push people away. Our, our culture says push people away, stay in isolation. It's, it's easier to just do, do you do you and let others do themselves. Allow people to live their own life, decide their own decisions, to be, you know, let them go and do whatever. But Jesus doesn't do that for us. Despite the decisions that we make, Jesus continually pursues and moves towards us. And when we allow Jesus to change our heart and we embrace that same love, we can't do anything but move towards others despite where they're at. And the, the, the fun thing about this is in family, we all can do this. This isn't just a, a me, a Kyle, a, a pastor, a leader, a staff. It, it's all y'all. I'm bringing out my Kentuckiness. It's all y'all. We all, thank you. Oh. Uh, sorry. It's all of us. It's okay. Yeah, I appreciate it. But it's all of us that get to do this and show this. And so as a family, we get to tell each other that we're not alone in this journey. We're not forgotten in this journey. That you're not going to be perfect in doing this, but all of us together get to show our community and those who we are in proximity to in our everyday life. We get to show them this love. Help them embrace this same thing in which we have encountered in and of ourselves. We're to be strong in our core and our foundation with the triune God, with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We're to, to be strong in that foundation with knowing who God is and who he says we are. But I think we're supposed to be a little flexible around the edges. And let, 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 let me tell you what, I, what I'm saying. Flexible enough that we're able to extend this loving community to strangers around us and those who are in need. And it means that we have to be flexible enough. And some of us who have our tight-knit schedules, everything down to a T on the calendar, we have to be flexible in our time. We have to be flexible enough to be generous, maybe with some of our financials. Some of us have the budget set in stone. Here's the X amount that I'm willing to be generous, but God might push you in that and say, hey, you might need to be a little more flexible in that. Might need to be a little more flexible in your time. How much you, you give and you care for those around us to be able to say, hey, when you see someone who's in need, it might mean that you're going to be 15 minutes late. But that's okay. Because they need to encounter God who will work through you. Belonging to the family of God means a lot more than just spending time together. It means that all the generations of people, all the people collectively in here, young and yes, even the old, we work, we work together to share the love of Jesus in word and action, which means we have a shared vision. We have a shared desire. At Generations... We say we're everyday people who are committed to expanding God's family together because of Jesus for generations to come. 
It's a vision. We want to see our community truly encounter Jesus. And it starts with how we live that out in our everyday life. Us growing in that foundation and pursuing people around us to truly see the generations come to know Jesus and be able to pass that along and share that as well. And this next month, you're going to hear us talk a lot about everyday Jesus. For those of you who grab some sheets on your way in, you might see this new little orange sheet. If you don't have it, it's sitting on our response tables up front. But what we want to begin to encourage and equip you with is to say, in our everyday faith, things aren't always going to be easy. Things aren't always going to be perfect. They aren't always going to be clear. So how can we collectively and together, one, tell you you're not alone in this journey, but collectively go on this path together in our everyday Jesus? One, you're going to see on the front side, in our everyday faith, how can we grow spiritually? And maybe on here, you need to identify a certain area you want to explore, you want to go deeper in. Maybe it's, it's knowing and hearing God. How do I know that God is around me? How do I even know that God hears me? How do I hear God in my everyday life? Maybe it's knowing um, more of who God is, the story of Scripture, dealing with doubt and emptiness and fear. Maybe that's where your journey needs to begin. Maybe it's on the other side where we talk about everyday family. Maybe you feel alone and isolated, or maybe you've been really hurt by people. Genuinely, like that, that, that is a thing in which we see in our world. People aren't perfect, which means when people aren't perfect, people are going to be hurt because there are consequences for bad actions. And so maybe you, you need to be in proximity to people through shared activities, joining a team. Maybe you just need to, to connect and meet with someone or go through something to help you with your relationships with others. And then down at the bottom, one of the ones I'm really excited for is our everyday mission. We want to hear from you and for you to share with us is what are some initiatives, nonprofits that you, that you support, you give towards, because what we want to do is collectively as generations live a life of generosity in our community. So how can we collectively as generations mobilize behind mission together? So we want to hear from you what you're passionate about what God has laid on your heart that you have a deep care for and passion for, where you want to spend some time and energy towards. So, in wrapping all of this up, what we want to call you to is our everyday Jesus. For us to begin to embrace the love and identity in which God gives us and be able to cast that and share that with others. It means moving towards people, dealing with dealing with a lot of the awkwardness, the brokenness that is around us, but making an intentional effort to see generations come to know who Jesus is. Will you pray with me? Father, as, uh, as, we, as we move into a time of response, I just pray that you continue to move here in the moment. God, as we gather, that we are glorifying you. That is a moment of worship, a time where we get to see community who are gathered around you, but united because, because of you, Jesus. Because it's you that we, we are able to gather and do this. That God is not just a group of people coming together to spend time together, to hang out, but God rather is a time of people who are coming together, who are united around you, want to glorify you and see each other grow in that. Father, I pray that you help give us clarity. 
when it comes to our, our everyday Jesus, our everyday faith. God, where, where do we need to grow? What's the next step you are calling us to? God, how can we be in proximity to others? How can we share the love in which you have given us? Father, I pray you give us clarity. You give us guidance. You just give us direction and hearing from you. God, we pray your Holy Spirit works in each and every one of us because your Holy Spirit is alive and present. Speak to us. We want to hear you. Father, 